Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. Amen. Well, everybody, pain is a part of uh, everybody's life and One thing we've got to remember is that even as Christians, we will endure pain. What the gospel is not is the promise of a pain-free life. If anyone tells you that, they're lying. (laughs) The the gospel is not the promise of a pain-free life, this side of eternity. It is the promise of a pain-free eternity once we are gathered by the Lord. And it's also the promise of the presence of God in the midst of our pain. And it's also the hope that God can use it. So pain and affliction, grieving, um, even physical pain, when it goes on so long that sometimes it moves into our heart, it can become disappointment. Um, When things don't turn out the way that we wanted, maybe a prayer's gone seemingly unanswered. When we experience loss, when a desire is not met, when we experience discouragement, delay, injustice, even when those things can be self-inflicted, God can cause it to work together ultimately for your good and ultimately for His glory. The story of Joseph in the Old Testament is such a good example of this. Uh, Joseph is a young man who has 12 brothers to a different mum. So he's already the odd one out. And there's all of these uh, feelings towards him, which aren't good from his brothers. And Joseph is gifted a coat of many colours by his, his parents, uh, which none of the other brothers got. And then he did something pretty unwise. He had a divine dream where God actually prophetically told him or gave him a vision of what his future would be, where his, his brothers were bowing down to him. Just some practical advice. If you get a prophetic dream of your brothers bowing down to you, don't tell them. If it's God's will, it'll happen. But because of that, his brothers get increasingly angry. They throw Joseph into a pit. He's then sold into slavery. He's then a slave for a master whose wife tries to make sexual advances on him. He resists and yet she then makes a false accusation that he had assaulted her. And so then he's thrown into prison and he's in prison and... Long story short, God positions him as second in charge over all of Egypt. But what Joseph experienced was he experienced betrayal by his brothers. He experienced incredible injustice, a deception, uh, thrown into prison for something he didn't do. He actually, in that situation, resisting the, the woman's advances, did the right thing before God, but paid an incredible price for that. None of Joseph's pain and afflictions were self-inflicted. You could say that if he hadn't have shared the dream, things might have gone a little bit differently, but uh, we don't know about that. But these are what you might say are like happenings to him. This is not him creating issues in his life. These things were happening to him. Did God want injustice like that to happen to him? The answer would be no. 
did he send that temptation to Joseph? The Bible tells us clearly that God does not tempt people. So that was not a God sent thing. But we see that God used all of that to position Joseph to the position of what he showed him in the dream. God had a destination and he still got him there despite all of this injustice, all of this pain and Joseph still made it to God's intended destination for his life. We see that throughout Joseph's life, whether he was in a pit or in a prison cell, God was with him and God was at work. Joseph demonstrated an incredible response throughout all of this of integrity. Another person in Scripture who experienced a lot of this is the Apostle Paul. And you know, you hear a lot of people say, I'd love to be like the Apostle Paul. I would like not to um, in some ways because he was imprisoned, he was whipped, he was beaten, he was spat on. Uh, So let's have a look at what he says in the book of 2 Corinthians. And I'm I'm just going to read a couple of passages here, everybody, but I would like to encourage you to go home and read the entire book of 2 Corinthians. Can I give you some homework? Oh, okay. Well, don't worry about it. Anyway, 2 Corinthians 1 verse 3, let's read that. It says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we'll be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with His comfort through Christ. What an interesting passage of Scripture right there. Even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. What if I don't want to? But anyway, verse 7, we are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort God gives us. Verse 8, we think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And though we thought uh, and thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die, but as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learnt to rely on God who raises the dead. How did they learn that? How did they get that revelation? They were pushed to the point of wanting to be dead. When people say, God will never give you more than you can bear, I beg to differ. He will push you to the point of absolute desperation for God, which is a good thing. Verse 10, And He did rescue us from mortal danger and He will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in Him and He will continue to rescue us. A couple chapters later, 2 Corinthians 4 verse 16 says, That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us. They produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now, rather we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever." Jumping ahead a little bit, just for a little bit more of Scripture. 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9 says, this is Paul speaking, Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses. And in the insults, the hardships, 
the persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I take pleasure in my weaknesses. All right, couple of points. Point number one, pain prepares. Romans 5 verse 3 says, We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance, endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. I've just read about six passages of Scripture which talk about attributes that you can gain or character traits or revelations or understandings that can only come through very difficult means. And you will notice this in people's life. You say, how do they have such a confidence in God? How do they have such joy in their salvation? How do they have such faith, such perseverance, such character? They've probably been through hell (laughs) and hung on to God. And I embody really a lot of uh, privilege and covering. And what I mean by that is I've had incredible godly parents. I've grown up in a great church. I've had great friends. I didn't experience a lot of hardship that many people will experience in their life. But you know, it was such a great thing to happen to me in 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 my adult years. Hardship. I wouldn't be who I am today if I was completely, if I was not untouched by calamity, and, and loss and challenge and offence. We need it. If you're someone who in your faith is trying to be averse to anything negative, you will not change and will not grow and will not get greater understanding of who God is and what He wants to do in your life. We've got to be very careful, especially my generation, where when anything in our faith journey is difficult or hard or painful or upsetting, we think that something is wrong. But usually that is just called the faith journey. And God is trying to do something in you. And many times we're trying to make our Christian life as easy as possible and as unchallenging as possible. You may be stopping the very thing that God is trying to do in you. Because pain will do a work in you. It will establish things in you that you cannot get through any other means. You'll gain a resilience, a resolve, a strength, a character. The pain you have experienced regardless of how it came into your life, the pain you are experiencing, regardless of how it came to you, and the pain that you're going to experience ahead, it can prepare you for what God has for you in the next season. What you're in now, by the grace of God, can actually prepare you. And asking God, why? Why is this happening? Why did that happen? That is our natural response for all of us, but it's often not, the best question to ask. The question is, God, what next? I don't understand why, but what is next? What do I do now? Show me what this is for. Number two, pain produces. Pain produces in you. Pain produces something in you. And it produces what I believe is a unique glory that you can give to God that only comes from pain. I'll just explain that a little bit more, but I do think that your most potent worship to God is done in pain because it's easy to worship Him when everything's good. But when it's not and you're frustrated, 
and you are confused and you are hurt, yet you choose to, in that place, focus on who God is and still give Him your worship, that is potent worship that someone who is in comfort cannot give. That is an incredible gift to God. If you are in pain and choose to worship, that is potent worship. That is powerful worship. And I believe that the devil tries to, in our pain, silence us. But I think that in pain, it is a great time. And we've seen this played out for songs to be written, poems to be written, testimonies to be written, service to be given, a potent outpouring, an expression of worship to God done in pain, which you won't be able to do when you're in comfort. In your pain, everybody, I want to encourage you to create There's that saying, um, use it or lose it. But with pain, it's use it or lose to it. And so if you're in pain, if you're facing a challenge, say to God, God, help me to use this. I'm in a position for potent worship, for potent devotion. I'm not going to let the devil rob me of an opportunity to give unique glory to you. It's like when you see someone in church, and and I've seen this in my time here at church, where someone is battling something like cancer and they're at church and they're worshipping God. I look at that and I go, I can't give that sort of potent worship to God because I'm in good health this morning. And that person's worship is intense. And, you know, uh, even the good example is that song, The Desert Song. Uh, It's a beautiful worship song, but that was written by a a woman who had recently lost a child and then put pen to paper and wrote this beautiful anointed song, which helped so many people, but that was birthed out of pain. And I I believe the enemy was trying to silence her in that season, but she's, I'm going to use it. And it blessed many, many people. So you've got to try and say, I'm not going to waste this desperation. I'm not going to waste this pain. I'm going to bring it to God. And I'm going to bring it to God and know that He's close and that He's Lord. Number three, uh, pain refines. Pain refines. Um, You know, the Western church is um, in a bit of a pickle, in a bit of an identity crisis. Um, And I heard someone say, it it was really insightful. They were saying, what the Western church needs to grow and be healthy is persecution. And I thought, he's probably right. (laughs) We've got it too good. Our our issues become so superficial. And the things that we don't like about church are just such nothing and nonsense. When there's people in other countries who will worship anywhere, they've got half a torn off piece of the Bible. We can't even open ours. And they gather for church and they are seeing God move. There's hunger, there's faith, there's desperation. There is no LED screen, there's no air con. And I'm not saying those things are bad, but what I'm saying is, is that we get caught up in the wrong things. And so a little dose of pain would serve us well to go, what is the actual function of our church? What is the actual function of me being a, a, body, a, a body part of the church? I think we need a bit of pain and a bit of persecution. Why? Because pain refines, it brings clarity to what's important. It helps us refocus, helps us realign our priorities. 
and it, and it will ultimately reveal who's really locked in and who's not. And, and across the world, the pandemic showed this because church numbers plummeted post-pandemic. And specifically in the Western world, and guess what? In third world countries, church numbers went boop, and they stayed strong. It's because we all lost all of the little things that we loved and cared about. And as soon as we faced some challenge, everybody pulled out and it really revealed who was in and who was not. Um, I talked about that the other week a little bit where, you know, during that season, many people got frustrated that the government was impeding on their ability to worship and be at church. But we've got to remember that we were our own worst enemy in that area before the government was. Before the government tried to take Sundays away from you, you know, shopping did or sleep-ins did, you know. So we've got to remember a bit of pain is good. Because worship in pain is powerful. Being a Christian in pain is the real deal. It will refine you in a really great way, which leads us into number four, which is pain reveals. Pain reveals what's in us. It reveals what we depend on. Uh, Pain reveals what we go to for comfort, support and sustenance. We're we're all self-medicating in some way, our pain and, and, our, and our grieving or whatever it is, it is the, the, the brokenness and the emptiness in our life, we all self-medicate in some way. And, and whether that is through things like drugs and alcohol, whether it's through pornography, whether it's through anger, um, whatever it might be. As a Christian, we, we're making a commitment to say that I'm not going to go to those things for my dependence and my well-being. I'm going to go to God. And pain will reveal that. And I love this Timothy Keller quote. He says, One of the main ways we move from abstract knowledge about God to a personal encounter with Him as a living reality is through the furnace of affliction. I'll just say it again. One of the main ways that we move from an abstract knowledge about God to a personal encounter with Him as a living reality is through the furnace of affliction. You know, pain can reveal why we go to God as well. Um, there's a powerful story in Acts 16 about Paul and Silas where they are in prison and they're in chains and they begin to worship God. And it's where that song, Take the Shackles of My Feet, comes from. Anyone? Okay. Mary, Mary. Sunshine still plays it. They, they're still doing it. It must be cheap to get the, uh, the rights for that one. What, what we often miss about that story is we have the benefit of hindsight. So we see that their worship broke the chains off, but they did not know that. They were worshipping God because He is God and He is worthy. It wasn't a, God, if, I, if you break the chains off, I'll worship. They were just worshipping and then the chains broke off. He's worthy of our worship before He does anything. And He's worthy of our worship with no strings attached. Um, I've told this story before, but I remember when Bianca and I went to get a loan for our car and we met with the bank and uh, they said, we'll be in touch with you. And we got an email to say that it had been conditionally approved, that they would give us that if we could provide evidence of X, Y, Z. And... (laughs) <laughs> what they're essentially saying is, is before we give you the money for the car, we want to see that you're good for this. If we're not careful, we do that with God. We say, God, before I give you full devotion and full commitment, I want to see that you're good for this. And it's like, this really flares up in times of pain because it's God, if you take the pain away, I will devote my life to you. 
But we want to, I want to be someone who's, who's like a Paul and Silas, who's like in, in the chains with no strings attached, no conditionally approved worship. I'm just going to worship. I'm just going to worship. I'm not seeking for God to prove to me that He's good for this. I know that He's good. And so I'm going to worship regardless. It's easy to devote to God when everything's good. So grief and pain and tests position us to outwork unconditional devotion that was not possible before. You might be in an instance right now where God in your life is is seemingly silent. Maybe prayers are going seemingly unanswered. Don't in that season give God conditional devotion and conditional worship. This is a time for you to give God potent worship that you won't be able to once He starts speaking to you or once He answers a prayer in your life. Don't be a conditional Christian, which is God, if you meet these things, I will devote to you. He is worthy before He does another thing. He has sent His one and only Son to die on a cross for our sin so that we can have eternal life and a relationship with God. If He, does, if he doesn't do another thing, He is worthy of everything that we have. He's worthy of anything that I can do before He does another thing. It's like living in this awkward tension where I expect nothing from God yet have great expectation of God because I I don't deserve anything else. God doesn't have to do another thing for me. He has done enough in giving me eternal life, forgiveness and salvation. So my worship going forward in Jesus' Name will be unconditional. Would I love Him to do more? Absolutely. Would I love Him to answer every prayer? Absolutely. But I know that even in that place, He knows He's doing something that I can't see. Or perhaps I'm doing something or people are doing something that God in His grace and kindness can add purpose to and turn it around and change it. The other thing that pain reveals is pain reveals God's closeness. Psalms 34 verse 18 says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Psalms 147 verse 3 says, He heals the brokenhearted and He binds up their wounds. God wants to be close to you in times of challenge and of testing and of pain. Don't push Him away. He is trying to draw close to you. Allow God to come in. And and here's the tough part. Allow God to come into your frustration, even at Him. Allow God to come into your anger, even at Him. He's big enough to cop it. I was chatting to someone this week and I said, if you need to go to Neil Hawkins and just yell at God, you go ahead and do it. He can take it. He just wants the transparency and the authenticity. All of these passages are talking about in my weakness, in my pain. Many times as faith-filled Christians, especially as Pentecostals, we're like, I'm not weak, I'm I'm legend, I've got this and the other. Just allow yourself to go, I've got nothing in the tank. I'm, I'm hurt, I'm weak, I'm broken. Praise God. That is a great place for God to come and meet you where you're at. Feel those feelings, but invite God to come and minister to them. Allow God to come and minister to those feelings. You'll find what you need in God and not in something else. You know, you may be in pain, but I believe in Jesus' Name that you'll be stronger for it. It's producing things in you that you couldn't have without it. 
It's helping you be more of who Christ's called you to be. It's positioning you to experience revelation that you couldn't have without it. And it's got the potential to push you closer to God. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.